York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show. Here to give you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. It's time to once again celebrate a Nick's win. Gunshots for these Knicks. All right, because the Knicks beat the Wolves. Seven. RJ Barrett gives you 22 points, five assists, five rebounds, and two steals on the night. Turnovers, but 31 points, eight rebounds, three assists, make a rear eye Jalen Brunson, Mr. Steady, gives you 23 points, eight assists, and five rebounds. Young Dunk of the Light gives you 15 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. The Knicks finish with 26 assists. I expected it. I picked the Knicks to win. This is this is the day we all picked the Knicks to win, and we were right. And we are going to talk about all of us being right and celebrating the fact that we are right and we didn't blow a fourth quarter lead and we actually put this game away, unlike the Hawks, and won in convenient and dominating fashion. Uh, but before we get into the details of the game, let me introduce my guy. I call him the Latin Assassin. It is my man who writes a post in the toasting dead spin and also about to write his first piece for ESPN. My man, Lee Escobedo. What's going on, Lee? Let's go, man. I was clutching my pearls, man. I thought we don't blow that lead and <laughs> give away another one. But man, Tibbs did not Tibbs tonight. I'm happy that we saw another OB Randall front court. I'm ready to talk some chat, chat some nits and talk about that win. Tibbs was not tibbing the night. Matter of fact, he started off the game with more untib light activity. First, a couple of games ago, he starts the game and he starts Cam Reddish, Nick Twitter fan favorite, and then he reaches into the third string, plucks Jericho Sims into the starting lineup from not playing to playing barely five minutes to starting against Carl Anthony Towns. Not like the, the tips that I know, but and I'm glad he did it because you know what? I was looking at the lineup and I'm going, huh? Isaiah Hartenstein versus Carl Anthony Towns. This doesn't seem like it's going to go well. So I'm glad he did it. What did you think about that matchup of Sims? Versus Carl Anthony Towns. I, I think he did it for a couple of reasons. One, Hartenstein has had pretty good chemistry with that second unit playing alongside IQ and Derrick Rose and like a tertiary playmaking role, yeah. which he's at Selden. He's also a much weaker rebounder. 
than uh, Mitchell Robinson. So I think that was probably the primary concern mm-hmm. is that Tibbs didn't want to give up too many offensive boards to the the Wolves with Carr Anthony Towns down low. So he thought maybe, you know, it would spice it up and give uh, Sims some opportunity there, who's a very good rebounder. I might even argue in limited minutes he's as efficient as Mitchell Robinson on some boards. And if that doesn't work out, they can come out with that second unit with Hartenstein uh, playing off the bench. I thought it was a smart move as well as a very limited minutes for Evan Fournier was a really smart move too. Yeah, I think the foot speed and the strength of Sims gives us a, a different look from Sims. And Hart and Stein, we pretty we have a pretty good group of talented centers that we can kind of switch yep. and play matchups with. I I wish that we actually would have done this against the Bucks. I wish we would have seen Jericho versus um uh versus the 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 greatest the the MVP candidate um in Giannis Antetokounmpo versus the Bucks. I just feel like physically he's more matched to try uh to to go with him um and waste some fouls. But like he he did an admirable job first play out the gate blocks Anthony Edwards sit down young man sit down falls to the floor it is embarrassing matter of fact I don't know today Anthony Edwards looks like he was eating yep. too much Popeye's chicken he looked all the way out of it <laughs> you know when I when I first saw the Jericho Sims start I was like man this kind of feels like Larry Brown where it's like wherever a player's from that's who's going to start because I know yeah, Sims is right. from uh, Minnesota but man, Sims ended up balling out. I think he brought some he brought some good energy and, and might have messed up Chris Finch's, the head coach of the Timberwolves, game plan for New York. They were probably steaming, knowing that Hartenstein was going to start and and game planning for him on offense and defense. And Sims really surprised with his boundless energy on, on the rebounding side. It really didn't send some nice strings for uh, our guards as well on offense. So I was pleased all around with the effort. It's all you can ask for for your third-string center, and we might have the best third-string center in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this guy, he, he pretty much um, played an excellent defense on Kevin Durant when we faced up against the Nets. And, um, you know, we got the Nets coming up next. So what a good time for Sims to warm up and get ready for that Nets matchup. But shout out to Sims. Got a, a lot of quick fouls, but, you know, got four rebounds. And mm-hmm. intimidated certain people and gave us, gave Julius Randle a breather that he's going to need because we don't need Julius Randle playing 48 minutes. Yeah, I agree. A four rebounds and a block in 17 minutes, I can live with that. That's pretty solid production. Right. Especially against Carl Anthony Towns. Especially against Carl Anthony Towns and from your third string center, who was the 58th pick in the draft. I'll take that any day of the week. Um, but what I really want to get into right now is Julius Randle, man. Julius Randle comes in here, goes eight. The scouting report for Julius Randle is let this man shoot give him all the room he needs he's in the teens when it comes to three-point shooting but i think everybody but julius randall read that scouting report and he let them fly to the point where at the end of the game he's shooting step back threes was he watching james harden videos before he played this game because he seemed like he's on another level today yeah, I think with Randall, it was kind of a tale of, tale of two players. There were some moments there in the fourth quarter when the T-Wolves started coming back that I was like, man, these, 
isolation plays and spin moves and poor rebounding and not getting back on defense. He was kind of up to some of his old tricks. But then if you looked at his game and holistically, he really had a really solid outing, not just on a three-point line, but he also did, you know, he was a solid across the board. Two offensive boards for a total of eight, three assists, five or six from free throws, which this entire team, I thought, shot very well from the line, which has been Achilles' heel for everyone top to bottom on the Knicks. And Randall really came through again, uh, leading the way in the rebound shots. Plus or minus four, uh, I think it's plus or minus four of a team. So he was pretty solid in that regard, too. When it comes to Julius Randall, I can look that up very quickly. I think you had a plus or minus of four. Let's see. Julius Randall, he's plus four on the night. Yeah. Plus four on the night. There was everybody was pretty much everyone was a plus except for, for Cam, who was a minus two. But I will go to Cam. Good defense. Huh? Cam played great Cam played great defense on switches tonight. Yeah. Yeah. In in fact, I feel like the whole team was looking at that Celtics tape and going, No, sir, not today. I'm I'm pretty I'm I already know how Tibbs goes. I already know it was like two hour film session of what to fix. So I expected a certain intensity when they were guarding three today. And on top of that, let's let's be real now. The Timberwolves aren't the the, the creme de la creme of three point shooting teams. Uh, they haven't really been shooting the team the three that well this season. D'Lo was shooting 27% from three before he even came in today. And he didn't shoot at a high level either. High volume, I mean. Go ahead, Lee. No, I was going to say, I think, to me, Delos, I wouldn't say he's washed, but his career's on a downturn, man. He just didn't look good tonight. Brunson got whatever he wanted in the mid-range and the paint on him. He couldn't keep Brunson in front of him. It's just, there's something about his fit in Minnesota that's never really worked out. I think they need a lot more shooting from that position and in both guard positions to really build properly around uh, Cat and Gobert. I, I feel like th- they might make a trade here in, in the midway point to upgrade over D'Lo. He just did not look good on defense. Yeah, he's never looked good in the defense. There was a times when he was balling in Brooklyn and, and Knicks fans wanted to trade for him, and I was like, mm-hmm. I remember oh, that. Bruh. I, I mean, <laughs> stay away from him, please, please. <laughs> I did not want that man in Knicks uniform. And, yeah, he he's sinking fast. They they're looking to trade him. I would be shocked if he stays here on my Agreed. trade deadline. For sure, for sure. But back to the Knicks. And um you're the number one Julius Randle hater. Are you I buying am, yeah. the change? He's smiling more, Lee. Come on, he's smiling. You know, Believe you asked me you asked me early on this season when he was really I think it was game three when he was really balling. And he was a completely changed man on and off the court. If I would still trade him, and without hesitancy, I said yes. And I, it's funny that I, I issued a, a piece today that came out for Post and Toasting on why the Knicks should not be fooled by this early start and still look to trade Randall before a deadline. Not include picks, but get a good package for him because of his increased play and efficiency. And I still stand by that. I'm, the Knicks are not in any situation where we're going to be a contender. I and mean, the next two years with this roster standing pat. If we keep missing or declining on trading for stars because of the, the offer that it, it it might entail, which so far Rose has been right, especially on Donovan Mitchell, and we keep building around Obi on the bench, Randall starting, Mitch, RJ Brunson, that at best is a seventh seed. We're not going to be contending. It's really going to take moving Randall 
and getting back a decent pick package and losing significantly for the rest of that season and then trying to go after someone that summer and hoping that Obi really turns into his own as a starter the following season. It's going to be an up, down, and up uh, trend in order for us to, to really derail around what we built around Randall as our centerpiece and move on toward Obi taking his spot. And I think it's worth it. it for me, it is. I don't I don't see us moving Randall at the trade deadline, to be honest with you. If we start, you know, actually treading water and, and being around a 500 team, I feel like they're going to want to see this through into the playoffs. If anything, I feel like any move for Randall is going to happen in the offseason if that's going to happen at all. that That's just me personally. I can't see Leon just pulling the plug, um, pulling a move that big during, um, you know, the midseason mark. During the midseason, I, I think that would be a mistake. I think this is a season with Randall starting off hot. You want to ride that momentum. And there's a lot of teams right now. They're in this weird in-between place. There's a lot of bad teams that are overachieving and a lot of good teams that are underachieving. This is a time to really seek the trade market and, and figure out what teams are willing to overpay to add a piece who is a 20 and 10 guy, 20, 10 and 5 at that on a down year, who can give you maybe that extra oomph to go over the line and really contend come uh, April, May, and June. I, I, I mean, this is the year to really sell high on Randall, and I think there will be buyers come the trade deadline. Interestingly enough, um, if we keep Randall, I, I do believe we will. I can see this three of Randall. Listen, what's been holding Barrett and Randall back so long was shooting. It seems like that loss to the Celtics has kind of motivated them to concentrate on that side of the ball a bit more and be more comfortable in letting it fly. You heard Randall say it in his post-game interview that um, Derrick Rose spoke to the team and the Knicks took 27 threes last game and the Celtics made 27 threes. So they're being more encouraged to take a lot more shots. Uh, So... The success of this team and the starting lineup in particular is going to now depend on the shooting of Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. If those guys start to shoot, it's a wrap because the way Jalen Brunson starts to go to the hole and cause havoc and live down there, um, I can I can see him really causing havoc. And we might have three twenty point uh scorers on the team at the same damn time i can't remember the last time that that was the case when's the last time we had three 20 point scorers on the team it's been a long time i don't know i don't know but it seems like it's trending that way um it's funny because even rj barrett rj barrett today 22 points uh 42 percent from three he was trending up when it came to finishing, but today, not so much, 38% from the field. But um, here's the thing. His free throws are still up yeah. over 80%, and that's going to keep him to go over that threshold to the 20, 21, 22 points per game. And even though, even though he only shot 38%, for most of the game, he was pretty efficient. I think where it got shaky is the end of the game where it got a little bit tight. People started missing threes and RJ Barrett was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go to the hole. And he started missing layups, but he still got, got to the foul line. So, and uh, it's, it's funny enough. I'm starting to feel like they're finding their little bit of synergy 
Um, so I, I agree with that. I, I do think I, I'll, I'll remain a pessimist on the idea of a Knicks success, depending on their shooting from the starting five, mm-hmm. because Mitch obviously gives you nothing in terms of spacing. But all four of Randall, RJ, no, Randall, RJ, and Cam have all been very inconsistent three-point shooters throughout their career. Brunson's been a pretty solid three-point shooter, but he shoots at a very low rate. He's only at like three or four a game. Right. So you're really depending a lot on Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randall. Three guys that have gone really high spikes, really high up and down um, in their short careers to be consistent threats from the perimeter with the lack of spacing from Mitchell Robinson and the limited attempts from Jalen Brunson. That's just not a formula that I think can sustain long-term to depend on for, for us to make the playoffs. I think there needs to be an additional shakeup, either in a starting lineup or via trade, to help boost that. You're most likely right. But you know what? It's funny. Like, there is certain space that can happen when you have Mitch run, pick, and roll, Jalen Brunson, and they have to collapse it to, to, to control the lob. It's just that Julius Randle has to be able to hit those open threes for that space to actually yes. happen. But I mean, yeah. we'll see. This, this might be this is admiration, right? I, um, I do believe that Julius Randle's shooting isn't as bad as it was last year, and I don't believe it was as good as it was in his All Star either. I feel like it's gonna be somewhere in between. I'm, I'm uh, it's gonna. I'll be curious to see where it ends up when the season ends. I, I feel like it's probably gonna end up more about the thirty six percent or something. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, anyway. Fair number. Huh? I think that's a fair number. And Randall, I, I wanted to give Randall his, his flowers because he was definitely a major part of why we were able to sustain, build and sustain a really large lead against a fairly good team. It's missing their defensive anchor, but still good nonetheless and usually is a hot team from the perimeter. But to me, the player of the game was R.J. Barrett. I love the energy I saw from him. I love how he put his head down, got to the rim, finished around the rim, he hit three threes early in the game too to help us build a lead. Finished with 22 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, and played along with Cam Reddish, very good defense on Anthony Edwards. I thought they did a good job keeping him in front of him, getting him out of his sweet spots, and forcing him to take long mid-range jumpers. Man, I was very happy with the performance from R.J. Barrett, you know, who's not a perfect player himself, Mm -hmm. but every game it's a little bit better and doesn't allow his lapses from the previous effort to affect him game to game. You know R.J. Barrett had Anthony Edwards on his mind. Everybody yeah, remember. I'm 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 almost up to find this damn clip. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm up to find it because you remember Anthony Edwards post game show, post game interview last season said to the interviewer, "We planned on leaving R.J. Barrett open." And I know every time R.J. Barrett hit a three. I know his mom was like, yeah, leave me open. What? Yeah, leave me open. What? Like, I know that's what he was thinking. And he held Anthony Edwards, a.k.a. the, the Popeye chicken man, to a low <laughs> percentage. 5 for 14 today, uh, 35.7% from the field and 14.3% from three, one of seven. And I call him the Popeye chicken man because um, Carl Anthony Towns heard about his diet and he wasn't pleased. He was just kind of like, yeah, I think he should be eating... Uh, less chicken and concentrated. <laughs> He's on my diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should not be on a Lee Escobedo diet. All right, you athlete. <laughs> You're an NBA player, man. And step it up. <laughs> you, did you hear Walt Frazier call him fat? And then Mike Breen was like, "No, he's not fat." <laughs> That's not what he said. He's like, "Yeah, cat called him fat. Cat didn't call him fat." Yo, man, I love, I love Walt. Yo, <laughs> me too. Nothing better than a Walt Breen game, man. I see the case for a good win. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yo, salute to the chat. Two dollar super chat from Sir Samir Sariano. He just says salute. Uh, yo, shout out to you, man. Shout out to Samir. And shout out to the chat. Shout out to JT Riddick. Uh, yep. Shout out to Sherwin. Shout out to my man Delano. Shout out to Craig Ward. Shout out to Winston Ellis. Shout out to Boston Nick and everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. Sorry the music is so loud, guys. I didn't realize it was it was that loud. It sounds different in my headphones than the YouTube, of course. <laughs> but uh, we back now. We 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 back and better than ever. Um, unsung hero. Listen. Oh wait, wait. Also, too, there's no Fritz here, but. I am manning the phones by myself right now. So if you want to call in, you can dial that number at 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Sherwin M says Minnesota's defense was awful. Minnesota, this is why I feel like we could have beat them. The, 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 the thing about Minnesota was you heard all season about how they don't they check out defensively for periods of time. And they don't really try. And listen, we had 18 assists in the in the first half, 11 in the first quarter. And sometimes I'm looking at their defense. I'm like, yo, what are you doing here? They, they doubled RJ a few times. They did a few little wonky things where I feel like their de- defense was trash. But for me, when the, the, when the game blew open was when that second unit came in. End of the first quarter, four minutes ago. Julius Randle hits threes. Why, why, why? He hits like four in a row. Tom mm-hmm. Thibodeau calls timeout. Not even call timeout. He just takes Julius Randle out. In my head, in my head, Lee, I'm like, Bruh. the day, the time when I want you to lead Julius Randle in the game. He's draining threes like nobody's business. And Tom Thibodeau tips it up and takes him out the game. And he usually does that with the bench. But he actually did that with Randle today. I was kind of perplexed and confused. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I was too. I think that was the only moment that I was like, Tibbs is Tibbing, was that when, when he pulled Randle after he was hot as hell in that first quarter. Yeah, I was like, he like he pulled like a Uno reverse. You know, maybe he thought that was Obi. He was like, ooh, Obi's getting too hot. Pull him out. I was like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I don't know. That was just a weird decision. That was just a very weird decision. I, I heard you mention earlier uh, okay. about an unheralded player of a game. I'm excited to get into that because I have one that might surprise you. But go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I'll, let you, I'll let you rock with that one after – I tell the bench because the bench, listen, we were up by like three in the first quarter. I think it was like 25 to 28 or something like that. And the bench comes in and Obi and IQ smack the Timberwolves in the face. Like it was like stop after stop, floater. Swing pass, swing pass, swing pass, three from Obi. Swing pass, swing pass, another photo from IQ. I was just like, yo, what's going on? Deflections was happening, steals were happening. I looked up at halftime, guys. At halftime, we had we have forced Minnesota into 12 turnovers by halftime. 
And we scored 25 points off those 12 turnovers by halftime. Next thing you know, we get in transition fouls. And I look up, I'm like, yo, we're playing phenomenal defense. Our second unit has done yeah. it again. The defense unit is playing so well that Evan Fournier becomes like a defensive guru all of a sudden and gets like two steals, throws Sims like a little alley. And I'm just like, okay, Fournier. For people, Fournier is back. I was like, okay, I, I can get used to this. <laughs> but I got to give a big shout out to that bench because the bench really blew the game open. So after struggling for a lot of these games, the OBIQ connection really, really blew the game open in the second, the first to second quarter. And it gave the the first unit the cushion for the first first time in a long time. It's just so nice having Derek you Derek Rose lead that unit, man. I, I think it's it's a a privilege that not many teams have to have a former MVP coming off your bench, right. corralling offense and allowing young players who are some of them prone to making mistakes. Hartenstein's included in that as well as Obi and quickly, but just Rose is just such a calm and steady hand out there. Not just on the court because he doesn't score at the same rate that he used to, not even like the rate he used to two seasons ago, but he's just, he's so intelligent and he's always talking to Obi and quickly specifically on how to see the floor, how to take, take advantage of mismatches, how to cut into the teeth of a defense. And really when they're hot or even when they miss to really talk them back into their confidence, to keep shooting. And Obi has really benefited a lot from that, playing alongside Rose. And quickly has less pressure on having to be the facilitator. And we just go out there and cook, and he was hyper-efficient today. I hope my dad's watching that. Quickly was not <laughs> bummed tonight. My boy played some great defense off the bench. And you're yeah. right. I think, I think quickly, of all the bench guys, quickly played the best defense, especially on the perimeter uh, against the, the Minnesota bums. Yeah, they, they they smacked him in the face and forced a lot of turnovers. It was the combination mm-hmm. of him and Rose – and even Evan really forced a lot of turnovers. And listen, even Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin looked really good defensively today. I thought so too. He looked really good defensively today. Um, rebounded the ball, seven rebounds on the night. Uh, I think he had a career high in steals, four steals, career high, four steals, 15 points. The man is shooting. <laughs> He's what thirty seven percent from three. Obi Obi's looking all right, man. He's he's. It seems like Obi topping is turning the corner, um, and I I see it. I see it. I keep saying I've been saying this since last season. If this man gets like minutes, starters minutes, he's gonna average twenty, like easy. I already know it. I can already see yeah. it. I see the chat being critical of, of topping and quickly on defense, but I, I think that's minute compared to the effort that they both have been putting forward this season more than last. And not only that, their help defense specifically has really improved um, on rotations where Tibbs is switching, especially IQ. IQ really knows when to help out and when not to, which just shows the amount of tape and game preparation Tibbs is putting his guys through in, in order for them to succeed on the defensive end. Quickly has gotten a lot better in his, his uh intuition on knowing when to drag yeah. off of his career and help out with a guy who's who, who the game plan is steaming for that player to score he's just a lot more smarter and obvious too props yeah. to the young guy and they're putting in the work for sure and clock kind of mentioned it too and it's kind of the opposite of the celtics game guy i didn't feel like iq was was really uh that good defensively in the celtics game 
but in this game he helped out a lot, especially when it came to to Cat. It's it's and it's funny. It's funny, Lee. It's funny how Randall and RJ were helping um, off of like Jalen Brown <laughs> to help uh, to double Marcus Smart in the post, and Marcus Smart is trying to post Cam Reddish, but there wasn't helping them to double uh, to to help Hartenstein when Cat is posting him. Like things like that be baffling, but the second unit seemed like they were actually trying to help the helper. So kudos to the second unit. Agreed. Kudos to the second unit, man. And also, I also got to point out, too, the coach, when it came, like, we always, we always, we, we talked about trinkling in the first unit with the second unit and not doing these hardcore substitutions five out, five in. Yeah. And I think that also helped in that second half as well. I mean, that second quarter, we started to take out Derrick Rose. Um, I think there was a there was a unit one time. It was like R.J. Barrett with Jalen Brunson, with IQ, with Obi, with Evans, and it kind of, they were kind of like sprinkling sprinkling in half bench, half starters. I think Tibbs has to do that a lot more moving forward when it comes to you know how he he runs his substitution. Well, it's. Yeah, man. You, you, that way you're building chemistry. I think one of the pitfalls of last season was that Tibbs was doing those hockey substitutions, five in, five out. And a lot of the time when, when guys would have a little bit of crossover, the offense and de- defense would both stall because people aren't used to to having that rhythm of playing with other guys and knowing what to expect um, on both sides of the ball. Like you got to have a little bit of that mixture. Yeah. And I think Hartstein is a nice bridge for the starting unit and, and the bench because he brings a lot of facilitation um, as a post player that allows for, for cutters and wide open threes to actually get the ball to move and find them and get, get those easy buckets to gain some rhythm on the offensive side. So it, it's a big, huge upgrade over Nerlens Noel, who brought nothing on, on that in terms of a backup center. So, yeah, good on Tibbs, man. I think he's starting to learn some of his own faults. And he even came back with that Obi and uh, Randall tandem in the fourth quarter, which I was really happy to see again. It, didn't, it wasn't as effective as it was last game, but it had its moments offensively. Yeah, well, like when you have both guys shooting threes like that, then it changes everything. It really changes everything. You you get that space. It's it's just one of those things where all right, Mitch is out right now, so we're starting to do this more. I'm hoping in the future, what Tips does is kind of play more to the matchups a little bit more. You know what I mean? Even after Mitch is back, now that you can see that this is kind of working in stretches, when we have certain teams that don't have like the big shot blockers in the middle, yeah, that's gonna be you know those big behemoths like the Gold Bears or the Capellas of the world. Maybe we should start to think about going in this direction a little bit more to open things up, give Jalen Brunson a little bit more room to operate. And you know, have us play small ball. Like this is what we really need from Tibbs to move to grow moving forward. And and hopefully, the, the steps that OBS taking defensively, and this little weak run without Mitch is going to give Tom Thibodeau a little bit more uh, confidence that you know we can pull games out with a Ob Randall lineup in the future. Great point, JLS. And I think in the Philadelphia game, that should have been an opportunity for him to start Obi and Randall together because with Embiid out, 
you have Montrez Harrell. What other excuse do you have not to allow for some experimentation in the front court? But he still went to Hartenstein, and granted, he did go to those two guys in the fourth quarter, which helped win the game. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more diversity when the opportunity presents itself. And there's really no reason why Montrez Harrell is not our cookie in the, in the post. He might give you some good energy, some right. rebounding, some offensive boards, but he's not a threat that you really have a game plan for and either even give double teams out. And I'm glad that he went with that duo in the, in the paint. So I think Obi and Randall is really tough to guard when both their three balls are dropping because they're both better than average passers. And, and Randall's rebounding has been exceptional this season. Yeah, as as if every season, as is every season. Although I'm not complaining too much, cause I got to see some Sims today, so I'll take it with a grain of salt. I'll just take that with a grain of salt. But salute, salute to the chat. I saw we got a super chat that just came in. It says, "Great job tonight, guys. I like starting Sims and keeping Hart off the bench. Cam should stay in the starting five. Brings great defense. I live in ATL. Saw him play here. Glad he's getting some burn." Yeah, I think Cam is is solidified at this point. He's not going anywhere. He better be. There's no. I was way. wrong. I'm okay with admitting that. There's he, no. He's way. quite phenomenal. I love his energy. Yeah, yeah, and, and at this point, you know, he's miles ahead, better defensively than Evanfournier. We just kind of need his length. But on top of that, even if Grimes comes back, he, like, first of all. What's up with Grimes in the first place? This foot thing is really starting to worry me to only play a few yeah. minutes and then start to miss two games in a row. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's sounding weird, really plantar fasciitis -y. It's 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 seeming like... I don't even want him to play. I don't need to give him like a month. I want to give him like another month off, to be honest with you. Like, I don't want to rush him back. Yeah, with the Knicks, too, they're just on notoriously tight lips. So even if it is plantar fasciitis, they're never going to admit that until they absolutely have to through like a medical report. Like we don't, we don't have silence on that issue until they're absolutely their hand is forced to say something. So the, the fan base is kind of left worst-case scenario. That's where my mind's gone, too. And I think about if he is out of the rotation for a while or his career is hindered from this foot injury, like where are we on the perimeter? We go from having some depth to having some weaknesses, especially with Fournier almost being played out of the rotation. It's time for us to go out and maybe look to get another perimeter guy, someone with some size and length that can hit the three ball and defend at least the one through three. Right. I mean, we have uh yo, what's my main that we, we just signed from from the G League? Ferran Hunt? Yeah. We got Ferran Hunt in the wind. Oh, you know I love Ferran. Yo, we can fucking Ferran. He's long. Ferran he knife. Yeah. <laughs> Can I start that right now? The front on high. We can start that up. today. <laughs> <laughs> membership one. Membership it's just me, bro. One. It's, Yo, it's me, me I'm coming. I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Front <laughs> on high is still alive. Let's do it. He played great in, in summer league. He really did. He did. He ran the floor really well. He rebounded really well, had good instincts. He had that at SMU. He was more of a of a primary attacking perimeter guy. Uh, plays a small ball four and had a good three-point shot. But I think he can be a, a solid third man on the perimeter if Grimes is out for another month or two. I agree. I agree. But that's not going to happen. Evan Fournier is still here to stay. Um, and truthfully, he played He played all right today. He played decent. I mean, He was he my had unheralded those... player. Huh? He's my unheralded player, Evan He's Fournier. A, okay. <laughs> okay. 
unheralded player, Evan Fournier. Speak your stuff. I give him some props for handling this demotion with a certain level of grace and, and, and team first mentality. The guy's been a starter for what the last five or six seasons, going back to his days in Orlando, having some playoff success, being the second or third option, depending on how you saw Aaron Gordon behind Vucevic on that team. And now he's damn near out the rotation. I mean, he's played 12 minutes this game, 11 minutes a game before 14 minutes a game before and score a total of seven points combined. Like this is not what he's used to being a starter getting at least 14 to 13 looks a game. All his stats are down across the board, but the best stat of a night, as the chat has noticed, three assists. He's still looking for his young teammates, trying to get him involved, and really hasn't, you know, supporting the team and really cheering for Cam uh, being inserted to the starting lineup above him, who took over Grimes' spot. Like, the Tibbs has really seen Fournier as a last-ditch attempt o- option, and when he's not, his shot's not there, I love that Tibbs is pulling him. And now allowing him to be a negative out there on defense. His facilitation really, I think, was oversold to us. I've always yeah. thought in Orlando that Fournier was able to get some things going on the offensive end, have a more of a three-level scoring threat. We have not seen that since his time in New York. Maybe it's a system. Maybe it's the players he's playing next to. I'm not sure. But uh, I've been happy and proud of Fournier accepting his bench role with, with a level of grace and humility. It's the system. It's the system. He's had the ball a lot more in his hands than Orlando, so he has more opportunities to kind of play make. Right here, he's like he's 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 fourth option, so he's not going to be dribbling down like dribbling down the lane, causing passes. Actually, we saw we saw it towards the end of last season. He was playmaking a little bit more towards last season, but it's it really is the system. But you are absolutely correctly. Um, he did look out of sorts moving to the bench, but. Um, it's kind of to be expected sometime when you're playing with new people and you're trying to figure out where I fit in this system versus the last system. And sometimes it just takes time to get acclimated, um, to a new style. But similarly enough, man, it looks like the way they pass the ball in that second unit, it kind of remind him of, of freaking FIBA play. So he might fit in more with that unit, you know, or, you know, to, to add to that, I thought about once Mitch comes back and Hartenstein's like fully cemented as a backup center. There's a similar similarity between him and Vucevic in the way they play, and there might be there might be some give and go there in the two man game between Fournier and Hartenstein that they, they could develop as time goes on. Because I mean, Hartenstein can pass out of the high post, he can hit the three as as we've seen, and he can do a little bit of give and go in the pick and roll uh, with the, that was guard tandem of Quickly and, and Rose. Right. And then you probably utilize his passing a little bit more with, with all those guys that are kind of committed to passing in that second unit. It could work out. Because, like yeah, because that first unit, I mean, they're more talented offensively, but it's like they go through these big lapses where they don't pass the ball. Or it seems like they only pass the ball to like each other most of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jalen, Jalen, he's going to pass it to. RJ and Randall, Mitch every now and again on a lot. Like that's the, you know, that's just the way it goes over there. So he might he might fit in better on that second unit. Uh, stay tuned. And unfortunately, it might we we might not even see Grimes with the second unit for a while. So we we we'll see what happens on that end. We'll see. Hopefully Grimes comes back soon. Get well soon, Grimes. All right, all right, yo, yo. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to Alexander. 
Shout out to Delano Steel. Shout out to everybody else rock with the KOT show. Um, it's I, it's just a quick. It's a I, I think it's a good place to end it. You know, it's late after midnight. <laughs> one thing. What's up? I got one thing I want to get off my chest before we go. Oh, let's go. So you know, I start a lot of crap with that with math fans, man. I'm always down here like. <laughs> I'm always down here blasting them, you know, because I think they're just a bum fan base. And <laughs> something I hear a lot in, in, in their responses to me is they love to drag R.J. Barrett. They think R.J. Barrett is a definition of mid. I think he's a bum. I think he's overrated. We think we overpaid him. And I just want to give some props and flowers to R.J. Barrett over his last three games. Mm-hmm. Let me drop these stats on me. 22.7 points per game, six rebounds, 3.7 assists, a steal, 51% field goal percentage, 37% from three, 85% from the line. And he's holding his opponents to 42% from the field during his three-game stretch. Ah, not bad for Broadway Barrett. Let's not give the man some flowers. Not bad. And listen, even with the three-point shooting, before he even went off Boston, I, I was on still Knicks fans. I'm talking with those guys, and I'm just like, yo, listen, I know RJ's still missing, but I've been watching these players. I can see the difference in his form and his shot from preseason to beginning of season to now. Like, even though he was missing for, like, two or three games, the form and the confidence and the calmness he was shooting was more closer to the preseason form when he was hitting it. So I'm sitting, so I was talking to still Knicks fan guys. I'm like, even though he's missing... The ball's going in and out. It's going to start to drop soon. And then literally that night, he goes off from three, drops 27 points. Today, he shoots uh, 42% from three. Um, Like I already said, before this game, he was at 63% from the rim. Um, It probably is going to drop a little bit today because he, he, he went a little bit off the rails towards the end. But the free throw shooting is still up. And even though it's, mm-hmm. it dropped a little bit to the day, I could just tell that the the technique on the concentration on how he's finishing is, is being more consistent. Like when RJ makes it a point to use his frame and his body to like go. get into people first before he puts the ball in, um, he's a lot more successful at um, finishing shots, getting and ones and things of that nature. And especially when there's this nights when there's no shot block like Gobert, he's going to eat. So I expect to see a little bit more of that going forward from RJ Barrett. And I think he's gonna he's gonna be a fine. I feel like the free throw is this is here to stay. The 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 rim shots, the uh shots at the rim is gonna have his field goal percentage creep up. And hopefully he'll be like around 35, 36 from three by by um by halftime too. We'll see. I, can I say take, half time, I mean February. Go ahead, Ree. I can take some bums and some Spencer Dinwiddie jerseys dragging my man R.J. Barrett because I understand they don't actually watch any games that aren't Maverick games. But for Mav fans on Twitter to continually drag this kid, and he let's remind him, he's a kid. He's 22 years old. He's 22 in his fourth season. The man is apt to make mistakes. We should give him a level of understanding that he's done. he's going to mess up. He's going to start the season slow. We know these things already. And it doesn't mean that we don't critique him because we should hold him accountable. And at this point, to a higher standard because he's becoming the face of the franchise. Absolutely. I'm totally for critiquing him. But let's not drag him right. the same way that we drag Julius Randle 
because why we drag Randall is a lack of effort. It's a lack of consistency. It's his emotional state. It's what between the ears. That's the opposite of RJ. RJ has a bad night. He bounces back and gives you 25 minutes game. I love RJ's mental uh, fortitude because it doesn't matter how bad he's played. He's going to give you the best effort he possibly can and facilitating for his teammates and playing defense on the other end. Yeah. That must be remembered. And that's, and you know what too, when I'm going to say this about Randall, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just keep my eye open. I'm keeping my eye open. He implored the last season. Every time there's a rough patch, every time there's a long road trip, every time things aren't going his way, I'm going to keep my eye on him. I'm going to see if he's going to keep that smile on his face. I'm going to see if he's going to keep playing hard. I'm going to see his attitude. But so far, so good. It's after 10 games in, it seems like Randall is committed to uh, changing as well. Um, we kind of forget he's still in his 20s too sometimes. Yeah, he looks like someone's uncle. Yeah, like <laughs> he looks like Uncle Randall, but, you know, he's like 26. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a vet, but he's like a young vet, so it, it's weird. It, it's very weird. But I so, see the chat. Hmm? I see the chat. I see you, Nick Yak. He likes RJ, but okay, criticize Randall. Listen, I, I agree with you, but to me, what I criticize Randall the most is not his playing on the court. It's a, it's a mental force. Yeah, it's the mental stuff. How he's able to withstand droughts in his game, to stay in long losing stretches. I don't see that same thing from RJ. I never has a team came into us as a rookie in the 2019 draft. So I, I'm also have openly said we should criticize RJ's efficiency and his shooting splits, no doubt. But I never have to worry about criticizing RJ's uh, effort or mental fortitude. Yeah, that was me too. I didn't like the way Randall seemingly treated the team last season on the court. Didn't celebrate with them. Had like a negative. Act. I don't like any of that. Yeah. But uh, so far, got so good this season. Uh, I'll just hoping that keeps keeps going. That can't, that train keeps going up, and I'll take it. I'll take it if, if it's trending that way. Same here. Uh, I, if we end up keeping Randall, to me, that's not like a major failure. I, I am a huge proponent of us trading before the deadline mm-hmm. to get a great return back because of this increased role that he's had in a better attitude. But if we end up keeping him and we keep playing him and Obi to close out four quarters, hey man, I'm happy with that. Yeah, it's all about Obi, like. Oh, we play 25 minutes a day. Like, let's we'll, we'll, we'll keep that train going. That's probably not going to be, you know, possible with Mitch back, but um, we'll see. We will see. And if Obi keeps producing, it'll make something like that easier to do. And maybe we can trade, you know, move Randall for like high powered, high octane wing or something. I don't know. That, that might be ideal. But. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for the show today. All right. Salute to the chat. Shout out to Nick Yak. Everybody else is rocking with the show. If you're liking the show, and if you've been here for a long time, hey, listen, if you if you ha- if you've been here multiple times and you have not subscribed, especially if you're watching this at damn near 1 a.m. in the morning, what are you doing? <laughs> Bruh. Hit that subscribe button, dog. <laughs> you you know you want to come back because you're always here. Hit that subscribe button, all right? And hit the like button while you're at it to help us um, get to the top and help spread the word that KOT is here and that you're enjoying the content, all right? Because there's a few ways to support us. One way is Super Chat that helps pay bills, helps pay for the phones, writers, and, and overhead, all that stuff. And next way is like, subscribe. So 
We appreciate all support. All support in all forms. All right. All right. All right. That is our show. It is 1 a.m. And I got to work tomorrow. All right. Let's go. All right. Lee, let them know where they can find you, sir. You can check me out on Twitter at underscore Lee Escobedo, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-O. Um, and also that's some stuff out this week for Deadspin. I'll be covering some games with posts and toast and some previews and post-game recaps. Got you, got you. Go follow my man Lee. Nasty Nasty Lee Escobito. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. All right, you already know you can find us. You can find us on multiple places. Find us at there you go. Uh you you can go to nicktimeshow.com and get your snapbacks and and blue and orange and black and white. You can follow us on the KLT Show on Twitter, the Nicker Time Show on Instagram, and the Nicker Time Show on Facebook. Also, listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple. Wherever you listen to the podcast, you can you can listen to us there as well. All right. And also, Foo, if you want, you can go to fubutv.com slash KOT. Okay. If you want MSG for free for seven days, go to fubutv.com slash KOT. And if you decide to keep it, all you got to do, you know, if you do decide to keep it and actually pay for the service, we get a chunk of that little change. So hopefully you do that and you go through fubutv.com slash KOT. Oh, we got a super chat. Oh, we got a super chat? Oh. JT Reddit. Shout out to my guy, JT Says year, great win. Hashtag all eighty two. Shout out to my guy one a.m. crew talking Knicks. Y'all crazy like us. I appreciate y'all. All right. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Good show, Lee. Good show, Lee. This is the first time we did like a two person show. I think so. Yeah. First of many. First of many. First of many. All right. But it's time to wrap it up. So you already know the deal is, guys. Shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Knicks, YouTube, and Twitter streets. That is our show. We out of here. Praise. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams. NYC.